0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champchurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I love getting into the Word. I say this all the time, and I really do. I mean, if I didn't, uh, I wouldn't... uh, uh, say that uh, as often as I do, it, it's a really uh, fun thing for me because I believe in the Word of God. I'm, my life is a living testimony of the power of the Word of God, the impact that can be made, and the, the desired results coming to pass uh, all through the, the power of the Word of God being uh, lived out. I want to get into the Word this morning, and I, as I mentioned before, as we were ministering to the kids, I want to talk about uh, actions, very important thing. I want to give you a few things that we're going to find. If you're taking notes, these are things to to jot down here uh, as you're uh, taking notes, things to look forward to. Uh, One of the things that we're going to find is where we need to get results. Now That might not make sense right now, but when we get there, we're going to open with that. It'll make perfect sense. Uh, uh, There are lots of areas in your life that uh, you can uh, pour your efforts into and you can get results in. There's one specific area that needs to be prioritized and we need to see results in that area. Uh, Another thing we're going to find is how to be wise. Now, I love the idea that we can find out how to be wise. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be wise. I've never just walked up to someone and said, hey, would you like to be known as a a wise person, and then be like, nah, I'm fine. You know, I mean, we all want to be wise. We want to make good choices. We want to make good decisions. We want to be Uh, an individual who would be seen as as being intelligent in the selections that they make. We want to be wise. Now, there's a really amazing and simple biblical direction in how to be wise, and it's it's right there in front of our eyes. When we get to it, you'll see it. Uh, Another thing that we're going to find is what's wrong with the world today. Now, first of all, we have to come to agreement that something's off, right? I mean, do you think we're all on the same page there? I mean, the world's a little nutty right now. And we're going to see in the scripture uh, what, what could be causing that. Now, obviously, as I present that, it's presented as a fact. I'm going to offer it as my opinion. And when we get there, you're allowed to have your own opinion when we uh, see in the scripture. But I'm, I'm convinced that there's something wrong in the world. And we're going to see what it is once we get there in the scripture. Uh, so, I want to jump right into the Word. Where we need to get results, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. I want to look in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 10. Jeremiah 17:10. Now, a lot of these passages of Scripture are going to be on the repetitive side. You know, we're going to see the same thing, and the reason for presenting that is not to simply just uh, extend or lengthen a sermon, but rather it's to provide multiple witness. I mean, It's important to see, as God repeats something through the Word, that it's something that God is prioritizing, that's an important part of of the Word of God and His message for our lives. Jeremiah 17.10 reads like this, "...I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, and I give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his actions." Now, there's a lot being said in this passage of Scripture. I mean, one, God's very involved in our lives. It's a wonderful thing to consider that he's even showing interest in in us, right, in you and in me. The psalmist marveled at that. I mean, he, he said things like, who am I that you would even take notice of me? But this passage of Scripture is is not only revealing that God is is taking notice of you or that he even acknowledges your existence, but that he's searching and looking in the most detailed parts of your being, in your heart and in your mind, that he's watching and monitoring your actions. Now, there's a couple of perspectives that can be had when this is considered. Uh, One can be a a very uh, Texan mentality, which is like, hey, back off, big brother, you know, why are you watching me? Uh, But another could be that there is a heavenly father who's watching over us to lead us and guide us in the correct way to go. Now that is the mentality that needs to be embraced. This is a good thing that God is watching over us, that he's watching our thoughts and watching our hearts, that he's examining our actions, all because God has your best interest in mind no matter what. This is one of the the first things that any believer needs to establish in their life, that everything God is calling me to do, everything that he's calling me to lay down, everything that he's calling me to take up is for my benefit because he loves me. Now, this mentality will liberate you from the the false mentality of God being domineering or tyrannical or, or unjust, but the word would promise that he's none of those things. He's just, he's righteous, he loves with an unconditional love, and his goal is to raise you up to, as the word would say, perfection. Now, this is a wonderful thing to consider. It can become a part of our prayer lives. We can express our gratitude for that. God, thank you for perfecting me continue to search my heart and and, and my thoughts, continue to evaluate my actions, reveal to me where I need to adjust, show me what I need to change, show me what I need to lay down, show me what I need to pick up, lead me and guide me in the way to perfection, lead me and guide me in the way I should go. God's revealing that he's there to bring this into existence. Now, this is something that the world desperately longs for. They seek it in so many ways. We've got all kinds of online influencers. You've got all kinds of life coaches. Uh, don't even get me started on Hollywood celebrities. People are looking to people to tell them what's going on and how to live a better life. I mean, all you have to do is, is look at our media and you'll see all kinds of, of self-help and improvement, but we have the perfect uh, guidance in the Holy Spirit, the perfect love and motive in our Heavenly Father, and we've been equipped with everything that we need by our King Jesus to move from where we are now into the perfect life that God's called us to. That He's called us to to. Have our hearts examined by him for the purpose of having our, our hearts measured and our motives purified, that he's watching over our thoughts, that we might have them filtered by the Holy Spirit and no longer make a place for the things that are unclean, but cast those things down and embrace the things that are righteous, that he would measure our actions in the course that he would, as the word puts here, repay or uh, 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 recompense according to the results of those actions. I want to pause there for a second. That was the word that I wanted to emphasize was the results. I want you to think about, you know, actions for a moment. That what you do and what you perform, everything that you do and all that you perform produces something. That's the reason why Jesus would talk about trees and fruit. That a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. In your life, your actions are always producing something. They're producing something productive and good, or they're producing something destructive and negative. I mean, no matter what, whatever you do is going to have a result. And what's really interesting to me is that this passage of scripture emphasizes that. That God is watching and that He is going to give to every person according to His ways, according to the results of His actions. It makes me want to stop and cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit by asking God, will you show me the results of my actions? Now, this is really a great thing to consider. Most of the time, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I think I'm, I'm doing good. I think the things that I do are okay. I mean, I never just wake up and think, you know, I really want to be a jerk today. I want to make people's lives miserable, and I really want to add to the chaos and dysfunction that exists in the world today. That's really never been a motive in my life. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to do well. But if I don't evaluate the results of my actions, I can never really know what I'm producing. I mean, Paul said to believers that they ought to examine themselves. It's something that is meant to be a part of our our lives. That's a great thing to introduce into your prayer life. Father, by your spirit, will you reveal to me the results of my actions so that I might know what I'm producing? for the purpose of making the right adjustments, for the purpose of doing the things that are pleasing to God. It's an interesting and wonderful concept to consider the results of actions. And and I want to offer this as we continue as we talk about actions, that actions are the things that we do. The results of of the actions are the things that are produced by those things. And it's not always in line with our intentions. Intentions are one thing and actions are another. You can have all kinds of intentions and your actions be completely different. Now, uh, my life is is filled with multiple scenarios where this can be the case, and I'm sure that your life is no different, but I want to ask you just to pause and consider the difference between intentions and actions. Intentions being what you want to do, actions being what you actually do. Now, these don't always line up. The Apostle Paul dealt with this and he dealt with it in kind of a tongue twister way. He, he says the things that I want to do, I don't always do. The, the things I do do aren't always the things I want to do. And it turns into this kind of brain bender of vocabulary. But for us, it's really simple to consider. We have both intentions and actions. Now, our goal as believers is to have our intentions line up with the will of God and our actions bring those intentions to pass. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here just to emphasize where we're going with the importance and the prioritization of actions. Uh, Psalm 62, 12, loving kindness is, your, is yours, God. Oh, Lord, you reward a man according to his actions. That's a wonderful thing to consider the concept of reward. I mean, that God is watching what we do and he's responding in accordance to those things. Now, for our lives, having faith in Jesus Christ, we are standing on the, the righteousness of Jesus in every aspect of our living. There's no way for any individual to earn or achieve the righteousness of God, but the blood of Jesus, the free gift of God, be present. Now, in our day-to-day lives, there's definitely cause and effect. When God is leading us and guiding us to accomplish his will, when we're faced with opportunity to choose a, a productive scenario or a destructive scenario, those choices and decisions are a part of our life, and as we're led by the Holy Spirit and influenced by the apostle or the example who is Jesus, we're, we're being led into the right, the productive, the things that are pleasing to God. And as those actions are performed, the scripture is revealing that God is watching those things, not for the purpose of of watching over and policing, but for the purpose of leading and guiding to to continue to direct our steps in the way that we should go, just as a loving father. I want to give you a definition of the word action, because we can talk about it and read all the passages of scripture, and we can use the word a, a thousand times, but if we don't take the time to acknowledge what the word actually means. It could all be empty. Consider this word uh, action and this definition being attached to it. An exertion of strength, power, or force. Now, when I consider that definition, it's more than just what I do. Rather, it's revealing of what I have. I mean, how can I exert or how can I release strength if I don't have strength? How can I release force if I don't carry the force of the kingdom of heaven in my life? How can I release power if I don't carry the power of the Holy Ghost in my life? I mean, when I consider actions, it's empowering, not just that I can do things, but that I've been equipped to do things. It's not just that you are called to do things, but that you have been equipped to do those things. God has gone to great lengths to bring the ability to perform actions into your life. It's the reason for the sending of our King Jesus. It's the reason for his teaching and his discipleship, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. It's the reason for the impartation and the expansion of the kingdom through his teaching and his ministry. It's the reason for the cross. It's the reason for the grave. It's the reason for the resurrection. It's the reason for the ascension, all so that he could pour out the Holy Ghost and you could be filled with power so that you could go and release power, so that you could act. It's pretty incredible. It's who you are. Proverbs 24, 12 also says that God rewards according to actions. I'll give you a passage of scripture from Isaiah, Isaiah three ten. Say to the righteous that it will go well with them. Why? Because they will eat the fruit of their actions. What a wonderful thing to consider. I mean, I've always been taught to, to be righteous. Growing up in church, that to do the righteous thing was a good thing. But to consider the reason why it's a good thing is because those things will affect my life in a positive way is really encouraging and liberating. To consider the fact that these aren't just things that we're supposed to do because, but these are things that we're supposed to do in order to bring about wonders and blessing manifest in and through our lives, not only to be received, but to be shared, begins to make tremendous sense. I want to give you a passage of scripture to show, uh, uh, once again, confirmation, but in even a a bigger and greater way than just, it's good for us to do the right thing. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it reads like this. Now, Jesus is speaking and he says, the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father with all of his angels. That's a wonderful thing to consider. And then he gives the reason why the Son of Man is going to come in all of the glory of the Father with all of the angels, to repay every man according to his actions. I mean, just that verse by itself, if we were to stop and pause and consider the weight of that verse, it would cause actions to become a a, a priority to be evaluated in our lives. More than just where we've signed our name. Yeah, I'm a member at that church. Or yeah, I'm a part of this group. Or, or yeah, I'm considered part of, of, of this uh, faith over here. Or, or that sect over there. But rather that our actions are what matter. It's really important. The reason for the coming of Jesus and all of the glory with the, the angels of heaven. So that reward can be given for actions. And it's just stated very simply in Romans 2.6. If you need it just plain, black and white and clear, Romans 2.6, God will repay to each person according to their actions. Now, the reason for including a lot of these things is because I think it's very important that it spreads the entire Scripture, that you don't just see something from Jeremiah and, and be able to say, well, that's the Old Testament, but that you see Paul writing it in Romans as well, that your actions are extremely important. The things that we do with what we've been given is the definition of stewardship. And that how we steward the power of the Holy Ghost, how we steward the anointing of our King Jesus upon our lives, how we steward the free gift that God has blessed us with in our salvation is extremely important. And that stewardship is revealed through our words and through the things that we do, the release of that power, that strength, that force, is revealed through our actions. I want to give you a few more passages of scripture here, ultimately to get to a place that I think equips us to to value and appreciate and evaluate how we we do things, the actions that we perform, and then also to reveal, like I said before, what's wrong with the world today. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from the Psalms, Psalm 111, verse 10. Now, obviously, you're going to see the common theme throughout uh, these scriptures that we read, And it's all to to strengthen, and it's all to reiterate the importance and the value, the priority of our actions being evaluated and our actions being righteous. Psalm 111, verse 10. Now, many of us would be familiar with the beginning part of this this scripture, and I'll, I'll pause to separate the two. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, for most of us, that's a passage of scripture that that we would understand and that we would want to apply to our lives. As I said before, we all want to be wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The rest of the passage reads like this. "And a good understanding, have all of those who do his commandments. I mean, that word do there is an action word. Uh, You could read this passage of Scripture outside of the the thoughts and the foundation of actions as we have in this message this morning, and you could just plow right through that. It could just be a a, a wonderful instruction that that isn't really emphasized on how it comes to pass. But as we're talking about actions, I think it's important to stop and realize that a really powerful two-letter word in this passage of Scripture is make or break. D O. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a great understanding have all of those who do his word. That do is to perform, to release through power and strength or an exertion of force, action, the things that God says. I mean, Jesus acknowledges that this is a really big deal. Again, when I say make or break, I don't think I can overemphasize that. I mean, it even has eternal effects. I'll I'll give you a passage of Scripture here. Our actions are extremely important. And no matter how long we've been believers, no matter how many times we've read the Scripture, or how often we go to church, I mean, I I can spare you the long list of examples that, that could fit in that category. No matter what, we're all called to be in a constant state of evaluating our actions. God is watching our hearts. He's watching our minds. He's evaluating our actions all for the purpose of raising us up and leading us and guiding us into life and prosperity and victory. Uh, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, 46. He's speaking to a a group of disciples. He's instructing them and leading them and guiding them. And he says these words, He, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, And don't do, there's that action word again, what I say. Pretty interesting thing to consider. I mean, you got to understand that Jesus has very limited contact with this group of people. I've been a guest speaker before in in other countries, in, in cities or churches. And it's always amazing to be a guest. Because when you're a guest, what you realize is I have very limited contact. What is said and what is delivered needs to be uh, extremely prioritized as as what needs to be said and what needs to be delivered. It's not like I can just say, well, I'll get that tomorrow. There's not going to be tomorrow. Very limited contact. Jesus has very limited contact with this group of people, and he prioritizes this message. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but then not do what I say? Why is it that you can say this, you can have these intentions, but yet the actions don't line up? This is a problem. I'll give you uh, some more scripture here to confirm this. I mean, Jesus is saying the same thing when you get to uh, the gospel of Matthew in chapter seven, I believe around verse 21, he's saying the same thing. Many will call me Lord, Lord, but they will not do what I say. He goes on to reveal that this has really devastating consequences. That those who would say, Lord, Lord, but not do what Jesus would say would be identified as those that Jesus doesn't know. He would go on to say, I don't know you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to consider that God has called us and equipped us to do great things. It's another thing to evaluate the wonderful responsibility that comes with that equipping. That we've been given tremendous power and tremendous authority, not just to have and to hold as if they're Christian merit badges to reveal to the world that our eternity is signed and sealed, but rather we've been given these things to affect how we live our lives. To do the things that are pleasing to God. To continue to expand the kingdom of God. To do the works of Jesus Christ. Not just to say with our mouth that He's Lord, but to live with our lives that He is Lord. I want to speak to you a, a passage of scripture here. This is, this is really where the point comes to, to, uh, to pass here. We're going to establish the things that, that separate believers from the rest of the world. And as we look at the rest of the world and see the things that are going on today, I think we'll see a, a reason for those things. And when we can identify the difference and the separation it's not meant to identify so that sides can be taken and trenches can be dug for the purpose of throwing rocks. Rather, it's meant to be identified so that we can understand where ministry needs to take place, where we need to make sure that we stay solid and we can help lead others into that place of stability. I want to give you a couple of areas here for your notes. Matthew 15:8 and Mark 7:6. these are just two areas that are basically going to say the same thing. Jesus is speaking and he acknowledges something. He acknowledges, people can honor me with their lips, but their heart can be far away from me. Now listen to this next line. In vain do they worship me. Pretty interesting thing to consider. That that mentality or that state of being would cause all of the worship to just simply be a waste of time. That's what vain would mean. I love coming into the the congregation and worshiping together. I received an email from Pastor Jared and and had the the song list that he'd selected. And as I saw the songs, I just thought, wow, this is a great song list. And emailed him back, hey, great list, you know. And I wasn't here last week, as as some would know. Uh, Sherry Webb brought a word which I cannot wait to hear. I heard great things about it, and I'm really excited to, to hear it myself. But I emailed Pastor Jared's great song list, you know, and I uh, can't wait to worship with you. That, that's really how I felt. I love to come together and, and to praise and to give thanks. In fact, oftentimes, you know, you may see a, a, a lot of activity where I'm at because it can completely change the direction of a church service. You know, you get in that environment of praise and worship and the, the, the spirit is moving and you have things stirring and you're, it's just a really exciting place to be as a believer. What a shame if that were to all be a waste. What a shame if it were to be in vain. What a shame if it were to be fake. But as Jesus is speaking here, He's revealing that this is really a risk. Believers run this risk if we're not careful, if we serve with our mouth only and not with our actions, it's in vain that we worship. Your actions are extremely important. The call to have our actions evaluated, the call to submit and surrender to God as He reveals our actions to us as He is evaluating our heart and our actions is highly important. It's the difference between being real and being fake. It's the difference between being productive or having all of this be for nothing, to be in vain. I'll give you a passage of of Scripture here. I I told you we are going to find out what's wrong with the world. Now, obviously, like I said before, I present that as a fact. I'm going to offer it more as an opinion, and we'll see if you jump on board with me here. But I'll give you the passage that I found Uh, this opinion upon, and it's out of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. I want to look at verses 13 and 14. And rather than sit here and talk about, you know, the things that I find nutty in the world today, uh, I have a feeling that there's no need to emphasize any of those things, that if we end being in like mindset here, it, it will happen all on its own. Isaiah 29, verses 13 and 14, it reads like this. Then the Lord said, so you have God speaking here, because this people draw near with their words and honor me and with lip service, but remove their hearts far from me. Their reverence consists only of tradition. Behold, I will take away their wisdom and I will remove their discernment. You almost need like villain music at the end of that, right? Like dun-dun-dun, right? It's pretty daunting to consider that. But look at the the cause and effect here. I mean, the effect is the loss of wisdom, the loss of common sense, uh, the loss of any discernment. I look at things, I'll read headlines, and I'll just, I'll want to pull my hair out. I'll think, you've got to be kidding me. How can people go for that? How can people embrace that? How, how, how? And then you look at Isaiah and you see, oh, that's how. I see. Now, this is a risk that everyone runs. This isn't, like I said, about digging trenches and saying, well, we're on this side and you're on that side, so let's go to war. This is about realizing I, I am danger close to being one of these people that has wisdom and discernment removed from them. If I don't monitor my actions, if I become one that only serves with my mouth and only just reveals my intentions, oh, Lord, your will is my heart's desire, but yet I do whatever the heck I want, prepare to have wisdom and discernment stripped from my life. It's, it's meant to, to kindle a fire inside of me, to evaluate my actions, to, to prioritize my actions. God, let wisdom and discernment be preserved in my life. Let my actions be set before my eyes that I might see clearly the things that I'm doing and that those things might be in accordance to your will that you be glorified and that I walk in the path of righteousness all of my days. Not a bad prayer. I want to offer a, a, this, this one scripture. It's more of, it is a scripture, but it's also more of a concept in closing. I mean, the, the scripture talks about the last days and the end times and many people being swept away. Now, I would consider people being swept away uh, being the result of a loss of discernment and a loss of wisdom, to be swept away with, with unrighteousness and, and swept away into w- what appears to be complete nonsense. But there is a people group that is spoken about in the Scripture. And and this people group is a people group that I've longed to be a part of from the moment I was born again. I I have the the same Bible that I had when I was born again. And there are very few things that are highlighted. There are tons of things that are underlined. But this passage of Scripture is, is highlighted in yellow highlighter because I remember the first time I read it, I just remember thinking, God, please let me be in that group. Let me be in that group. As many are being swept away, as many are being led astray, as many have had discernment and wisdom stripped from their lives and they're being led into unrighteousness. The word promises this in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. There will be a people who know their God who display strength, and who take action. I want to be in that group. I can look at this passage of Scripture and be encouraged by it. I I can be inspired by it, and I can also be informed by it. I can see that the taking of action is going to require the displaying of strength, and that's going to come from knowing who God is. You can run it forwards and you can see that they'll know their God, they'll display strength and they'll take action. You can run it backwards and you can begin to see why these dominoes fall in that direction. I want my actions to bring glory to God. That's going to require a display of strength in my life. I'm going to have to stand against the influence of this current culture that is pushing so hard against my faith as a Christian. And the only way I'll have that strength to stand is to know who God is to know that He's just, to know that He's faithful, to know that He's a rewarder of those actions. And when all of the world is telling me, you're going to suffer for taking that stance, you're going to suffer for producing that action, I know I will be rewarded by my Heavenly Father in the end. This is the equipping and the empowering that would, would, would drive men like Stephen who would know they were doing the will of God, even knowing that it might mean their own demise. And it's those same fires that are meant to be kindled in the lives of every single believer that exists today. To not only just know who God is, but to have a knowledge that He is constantly watching your heart, your thoughts, your actions, to continue to lead you and equip you and release you into the things that are pleasing to Him so that he can bring about his wonderful rewards. I do believe that the world has had wisdom and discernment stripped away. I do believe that the church is in the same danger, it suffers the same risk. But as we commit to be a people who refuse to release wisdom and discernment, but who commit to not only recognize God through tradition and word, but by evaluating our actions, be a people who do the things that are pleasing to Him rather than just say the things that are pleasing to Him. We stand in this world as light. We reveal to this world hope. And we are to this world the church. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning and I want to pray over us. I want to offer a prayer for my life, my family, the the, the congregation, all who are present here. I mention my family because I I value this, this prayer powerfully. I want this for my sons. Without this, we're in trouble. Just like Jesus would warn, many would say, Lord, Lord. But I don't know them. I want to be a people that don't serve God only with their lips, but that offer up their lives, the choices, the decisions, the actions, by definition, that being the release of that force, that power that God has equipped us with by His Spirit. I want those things to bring God honor and glory. I want to be real. There's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Ghost. And he's present now to minister to each one here. There where you stand, I want to pray you're welcome to be in an attitude of receiving or simple agreement. But I want to trust that the Spirit of God is moving in each one of our hearts. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the counsel and direction that you would bring into our lives. We thank you for watching over us To watch our minds and our hearts. To take account of our actions. Let it not be resisted, but embraced. Let it be invited. Let us meet with you and take inventory of those thoughts and those actions. Not that we might be put to shame, but that we might be led into righteousness. That we might be uh, matured and grown into the things that are pleasing to you. Protect us from losing our wisdom and discernment by worshiping in vain through tradition and lip service. Let us value the actions that You've equipped us to perform. Let us value the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost, the authority of the name of our King Jesus. Let us value Your unconditional love that sets us free from all fear and all anxiety that we might do the things that are pleasing to You even in the face of this culture that would call it foolishness, let us stand on what we know to be wise, that we would revere Your name. Let the fear of the Lord be the beginning of wisdom for us, and let us be a people of great understanding as we would do the things that You speak to us. Let us be a people of action. And let us stand as a testimony, a witness, a light and a hope to this world. That we would be a people. A people who would know who You are. A people willing to display strength. And a people who would take action. And let the results of that be the expansion of Your kingdom. The glorification of Jesus Christ. Magnification of Your love. Let it be a terrific and powerful evangelistic move in and through our lives to those around us. Above all else, let it bring you honor and glory as your people would do the things that are pleasing to you. Let us be a people of action. We ask for this work by your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. We rejoice and give thanks in your faithfulness. It's in the name of Jesus that we give thanks and pray. And all the saints declared, amen.